This is the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Sport Pens International Studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. We have another great episode for you. Before we welcome our guests, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. Now, this helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents right here on the WVSA Digital Network. With us today back on the program is Dr. Ashley Coker-Cranny, psychotherapist with Whole Brain Solutions. Doctor, welcome back to the program. I'm glad to be here. And we're excited to have you back. This is a subject that I've been wanting to tackle for a number of months now, but we figured we'd wait until now because October is National Bullying Prevention Month. And we wanted to talk to the doctor about bullying and things that we might be able to do as parents, things that we'd be able to do as the person getting bullied. Maybe, um, we, you know, we're the parent of somebody who's bullying. What can we do from that aspect? So we wanted to talk to Dr. Cranny about that. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a really weird issue in the sense of back when I was a kid, I was bullied when I was in school. I had this one kid that would and seemed to en- enjoy causing havoc in my life. But we're starting to see now more and more people coming through saying they were bullied at one point. People that, you know, maybe back in my age, I was like, wow, they got bullied. I never thought they would have ever gotten bullied, but it seems like it's a more common problem uh, that has happened in the past and continues to happen. So I think it's pretty relatable for for our listeners on the podcast today, and I'm excited to kind of dive right into things. So doctor, why don't you go ahead and just tell us what is bullying? Yeah, so bullying is one of those things that occurs when we have this combination of a power imbalance and then an opportunity to kind of capitalize on that imbalance. Bullying tends to be something that is repeated, but it can be a one-time thing, um, although that tends to be a little bit more rare. And the big thing about bullying that differentiates it from kind of typical conflict or things like that is that it really does have hurtful intentions. So bullying can be verbal. It can be the things that you say to somebody, the names that you call them, the things that you say about them. Um, But it can also be more physical. And I think that that's what it is that we kind of typically look at. And the big thing that kind of differentiates it, like I said, is, is those hurtful intentions. It's really about gaining a sense of power and control um, on the part of the bully by putting the target down in some way or another. Um, it can also come across in social contexts. So we see this when kids are kind of isolated or excluded from certain activities or certain groups or certain communications. Um, And it's really a quite prominent issue that we have in our society. So if you look at just kind of kids in general, about 20% um, say that they've been bullied kind of on a playground and about 35% say that it's happened over text or social media or those kinds of things. But then like if you look at college athletes, that number is higher. Uh, we, We tend to look at hazing in particular with college athletes. And that can be in the 60 to 80% range of, of athletes saying that they have been targeted at one point or another kind of throughout their lives. That's amazing. That statistic yeah. you just threw out there. That's amazing. You would figure it would get better over time, but I guess possibly not. 
No, no. And we don't have great research about bullying and sport at the youth level. Um, there's just some, some competing statistics and things like that. But the general consensus is that it does tend to be higher um, than non-athlete populations. As a psychotherapist, can you kind of shed some light a little bit on why bullies do what they do? Absolutely. Um, Every bully is a little bit different. So their motivations are going to be a little bit different. But for most bullies, bullying behavior is a learned behavior. So either they're learning from other classmates or other teammates, senior members on a team, they're learning from coaches, they're learning from parents, they're learning from family friends or teachers. Um, We can't we can't negate the possibility that they're learning this from adult role models in their lives. Um, And very often bullies tend to be victims of bullying at some point in their life. And they kind of develop the mindset of, Oh, if I attack first, then I can stay safe. And so we tend to see that happen a lot. Um, For some bullies, it just feels good to feel like you've kind of got power and control. So for a lot of kids who maybe don't feel like they have that in other areas of their life, bullying may be a a way for them to kind of seek that out um for some of them it gets laughs and so they feel like they're more liked by their the their um other teammates or friends that are kind of around them that aren't the targets of bullying but you know they're they're laughing or they're videoing or they're you know reliving it and that kind of stuff and that can make bullies feel kind of powerful and gives them really the attention that they might be lacking in other places So even in the rare case of bullies who didn't necessarily have a parent or a coach or a teacher or a teammate or someone like that that really taught them bullying, um, if they're craving attention and can't get it other ways, bullying is one way to get that attention. And we have to remember that even negative attention is still preferable to no attention. Let me ask you this question. If I'm a soccer coach and I noticed, Mm -hmm. um, you know, potentially some bullying going on, within the team, what are some signs that I can be looking for to, uh, you know, figuring out that there is a, an issue on the team and that I would need to take steps to correct that issue? Yeah, one of the big things you're going to want to look for is kind of behavior changes within the team. So if there are drastic shifts in who's talking to, to who and how it is that they're talking, maybe there are kids who used to be really close with some um, of their teammates and all of a sudden they're they're kind of isolated or withdrawn or things like that. Those can all be clues. Those can also be warning signs of, of other issues, but definitely bullying is one of those things to investigate. Um, if you have an athlete that tends to like lose stuff quite frequently or that their equipment is constantly damaged, those are things to look for, especially in terms of like physical bullying and that kind of stuff. Um, if you have athletes that come in and are, are, kind of atypically complaining about things they've always got a headache or they've always got a stomach ache or or that kind of stuff you know they kind of just don't want to be there um which may not have been typical for them beforehand um you know if, if there are just kind of increases in conflicts and, and clicks and and things like that it just seems like the cohesion of the team has suddenly changed um the big thing to look for is like the ways that things have been working what are the big differences that are coming now and what might we be able to attribute those to? And then the number one thing to do when you notice that kind of stuff is have conversations, you know, start pulling athletes aside kind of one by one and going, okay, what is it that's going on here? And, and very often if we kind of come out with that first initial question of like, are you bullying or being bullied or is bullying happening, happening on this team? A lot of times that will shut kids down. So really starting with that question of, 
you know, what do you like being about being on this team? Or what are the things that maybe you used to like, but you're not seeing so much anymore? And sometimes those can kind of open the door to then be able to ask some more direct questions about what it is that your athletes are actually seeing happen on that team. Um, sometimes it works to go straight to who it is you suspect might be a target, but sometimes that really works well when you start with kids that you think might kind of be on the periphery that you don't think are maybe as involved in it, but might be witnessing it and might be good allies to start piecing together what exactly is happening. You you lead into my next question. You know, that's a great first step is having that dialogue, having that conversation. What are some other things that coaches can do to uh, deal with that bullying issue on the team? Absolutely. so if you if you see something happening right in front of you, obviously the the time to intervene is exactly right then. But that doesn't often happen, right? Kids are smart, so they'll they'll find ways to hide it. So having those those conversations about what it is that's happening is important. One of the other things coaches can really do to kind of prevent it in the first place is make sure that you have very explicit kind of conversations about what it means to be a good teammate, what it means to be involved proactively in sport. Um, really focus a lot of your coaching style on character development which is going to include those conversations about what do we do if we find out that one of our teammates is hurting or things like that. Um, And then intervening in things like if if kids are, um, you know, maybe going after officials or things like that, or if you hear parents on the sidelines um, making derogatory comments about the opposition and things like that, those are other places where you can really intervene and educate and you can kind of empower your athletes to also Um, intervene and educate their teammates, their parents, their friends who might be kind of engaging in kind of some of those um, behaviors. And then really making sure that that a zero tolerance policy is well known on your team. So make sure that everybody understands, okay, here's what happens if if we suspect bullying behavior. Here are the things that we're going to look for. Um, to, to see if something's going on and then here's how it is that we're going to react to it and what it is that we're going to do about it. So it's very, very clear from the get-go. Here's what's acceptable, here's what's not, here's what happens. You, you bring up uh, uh, something that I want to ask you about, um, something that may, I don't know, may be on topic and may not be, but it just kind of popped into my head. Um, especially mm-hmm. with our older age groups, our high school or even our collegiate athletes, um, there's a difference between um, being a bully and holding your teammates accountable. Can yeah. you can can you just maybe sh- shed some light into that of where that fine line is? Because I mean, you want to be supportive of your teammates. You want to be yeah. you know include them, be inclusive, you know, support them. You know, uh, uh, you know the all ships rise on a rising sea, rising tide, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, your, their success does not diminish your success, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, you want to be able to hold players accountable if they're not doing the job that they're there to do, especially at college, because college is that choice. You know, you, you decided to be a collegiate athlete and others on the team expect you to, you know, pull your weight, so to speak. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, and I think that this really goes back to what is the intention of that conversation. So if my intention is I want to hold you accountable because it's important to me that we all do our part so that we're competing with each other to kind of get this next level and that kind of stuff, and it's not a me against you. I mean, that intention really, really is key, um, whereas as holding somebody accountable because you want to hurt them or you want to 
you know, knock him down a peg or things like that, that really leans more into the bullying behavior kind of in that second circumstance. So the biggest thing to look for um, is, is what those intentions are. And when we're holding our, our teammates accountable um, kind of mo- more appropriately, it's because we're coming from a place of compassion and a, and a place of connection and a, a place of kind of this desire that we're, we're here together and we want to do this together. And we've all made this commitment that in order to get there, we need to be able to compassionately and constructively help each other kind of see our blind spots and then work through those in, in ways that are collaborative. So it's not just that, well, you're doing this and you need to fix it. It's okay. Here's what I'm seeing. And this is the effect that I think it's having and how can I help you? Um, How can we work on this together to kind of move forward in a constructive way rather than, oh, well, you're such a jerk or you're just so selfish or, you know, all the many other worse things that we can say to somebody um, kind of pretending to be accountable rather than actually holding someone accountable. Let me ask you another question. Um, Mm -hmm. If um, um, parents see from just from the limited exposure that they have to the situations, if they see bullying happening on a team, what are some things that parents can do to help their child? Absolutely. And before I answer that, I want to give a couple of um, specific warning signs for parents that coaches may not have access to, but parents can. Um, One of those is checking out behavior change with your kids in terms of like eating and sleep. Those are two things that when we're stressed for any number of reasons, when we feel threatened, those two things tend to be the most disrupted um, kind of from an outside perspective. Obviously, internally, there's a lot of stuff going on. But being able to observe something as parents, you know, if you have a kid who comes home and they're always hungry and you find out that they haven't been eating lunch, really digging into like why it is that that's happening. Is that because your lunch has been stolen or because somebody's taking your lunch money or because you just don't want to be in a cafeteria because you're going to be reminded of how excluded you are um, or those kinds of things, paying attention to that's really important. And then in terms of sleep, looking at kids who, um, you know, maybe they've had a pretty good sleep record most, most of their life, but now all of a sudden, um, you know, they're sleeping a lot more than usual. And it's not kind of one of those developmental times that we would, suspect that they should be sleeping more, you know, when their hormones are raging and that kind of stuff. Um, Or kids who um, have previously been, you know, potty trained and they've been doing fine, but then all of a sudden when they're asleep, then they're engaging in bedwetting behavior and that kind of stuff. Um, Kids who who maybe cry themselves to sleep or are scared to go to sleep. Um, Kids that, that just withdraw in most places. Maybe they've been walking to school, but now they're afraid to walk to school and they want you to drive them all the time. Um, some of those behavioral shifts are really important for parents to pay attention to because they can really um, point to, to bullying as well as other issues. And other things parents can look at are, you know, what's happening with academic achievement. All of a sudden, has that um, decreased or, or is that different than it has been before, um, as well as athletic achievement? You know, maybe they've been um, a really confident player for a long time. And now all of a sudden they are not as confident. They're second guessing everything. They're beating themselves up for mistakes. Um, you know, they're not wanting to show up. Maybe they're engaging in more risky behavior or they're missing school or, um, that kind of stuff. Maybe they've been talking about, um, you know, not, not wanting to be around anymore. You know, maybe we're seeing an increase in suicidal ideation or self-harm behavior or those kinds of things that sometimes coaches can see, but sometimes they can't. And it's really important for parents to be paying attention as well as teachers and other kind of adults in their lives. 
And then if all of those things, you know, you're kind of paying attention to and you're getting some warning signs that, man, that really, that sounds like my kid, you know, I wasn't sure what's happening, you know, rule out some of the physical stuff. Again, developmentally, some of the stuff is just going to happen naturally. But, you know, once you've, you've kind of considered that maybe bullying might be at the issue of it, first thing is just talk to your kid and they need to do most of the talking. And again, if you go straight at it as, hey, are you being bullied? You're probably not going to get them to open up in the same way. So if you can start the conversation with, you know, tell me about your friends, tell me what it is that, you know, you really like about being here or there, or tell me about the things that maybe have changed and that kind of stuff, get them talking and then validate their experience. So it could be that as a parent, you notice kind of that vanishing friends phenomenon of, oh, well, they used to play with this group of friends. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're not getting invited to places and they're not texting as much and, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, sit down and talk to your parent or to your kid about what do you what's what's been going on? I noticed that, you know, Jane hasn't been around as much anymore. You know, are you guys doing OK? Sometimes that can be the start. And then once they get talking, validate their experience so often targets of bullying feel invalidated like oh I shouldn't be upset about this or it's not that bad or this is just the way that it's supposed to be and as a parent if you can really help them to understand that what they're feeling makes sense and then let them know that you're there to support them and some kids are not going to want you to ride in on your white horse and fix everything they're really going to want to be able to advocate for themselves and and be able to figure it out themselves as a parent you've got to kind of find that fine line of okay I'll support you in brainstorming some other solutions that don't have me involved here's going to be the point of no return where I'm absolutely going to get involved and here's what it is that you can expect when that happens so really making sure that you're validating that you're educating about what's normal and what's not normal that you're helping prepare them for here's what it is that can come next and here's how we're going to handle it that if it does continue to escalate you report and too often um, we may report to the wrong person, whether that's a principal or a coach or an athletic director, you know, and, and maybe they have all the intentions in the world, but nothing really happens and, and the behavior doesn't change. As a parent, keep reporting until you find the person or the ally that's really going to help you find a solution and actually follow through with it. And then whether you as the parent decided with your child that you were going to let them handle it or that you were going to step in, really making sure that you follow through with that stuff. You can't get too busy to check in on whether or not the things, the, the solutions that you brainstormed um, are actually going to work. You need to follow through to, to make those reports, to continue to have those conversations with your kid and, and those kinds of things. Um, and as a parent, it's more important that you're kind of validating that experience and exploring those solutions than as if they were kind of a third party person, whether that's a coach or an AD or a principal or someone else, where they're going to want to get kind of both sides of the story and they're going to want to understand the situation before they decide kind of what to do next. So then as a parent, being able to be kind of empathetic and compassionate to that process while also keeping your kids safe at the same time. Obviously, I know I throw a lot at you, but right, yeah, no, no, absolutely, I, I, I love it, I love it, I, and and you lead right into my next question that I had. Obviously, we want to uh, teach our kids to stand up for themselves and learn life mm-hmm. lessons. And you had mentioned something about the community, you know, in regards to open communication with your child. But what are some other things that us parents can do to equip our kids to deal with being uh, the subject of a bully? Yeah, uh, one thing is, if you can, um, and I highly recommend it, is be there. Pay attention. Don't be on your phone when you're sitting at practice. Don't be 
um, you know, gabbing with the, the parents next to you while, while your kid may be actively engaged in some kind of um, bullying behavior themselves or might be the target of it. Really being able to be there and notice what's happening so that you can have concrete um, things to talk to your kid about when you do engage in those conversations. Like, hey, I noticed when, you know, you were at practice, this happened. I'm just wondering how it is that that, that was for you. How, what did you notice? as that happened and really kind of giving them words um, or, or examples that they can kind of grab onto and use and turn these really abstract kinds of con conversations into really concrete conversations. Um, and then empowering them to do things like maybe they really do want the coach to know because they don't think that the coach does know and they do see the coach as an ally, being able to, to maybe role play a conversation with them of, okay, well, when you want to talk to the coach, you know, what is it that you want that to sound like? Or if they don't want to bring the coach in and they want to deal directly with a bully to start with, okay, what, what kinds of body language do you want to be paying attention to? What kind of an assertive tone of voice do you want to use? Um, what are your options if this escalates? Um, typically, we, we would rather see kind of a walk away kind of a thing if that's the choice. Um, but if that's not an option and it does get physical at some point, we want to make sure that our kids are fully equipped, not only with what to do in that situation and when to stop, but also in being able to take accountability for their actions. Most schools and most teams have zero tolerance policies, but if it gets physical on both sides, both parties are going to get expelled. And so making sure that our kids are equipped with, you're, you will probably still be in trouble if this gets physical. Um, so here's how it is that we can kind of move through the decision-making process. Here's, here's the tools that you'll need to figure out how it is to deal with that situation the next time that it comes up. Um, and that role playing and that educating are some of the most important things that parents can do to really equip their kids um, to deal with it before parents get involved. Yeah, we just, we need to, we need to do better in preparing our kids for, for things. And, you know, it's prepare the child, not prepare the path for them. Exactly. Cause I mean, cause they're going to have so, so many trials and if they're the more equipped that they are and, in understanding that there are consequences to certain actions and certain decisions that you make that, um, you know, the better off that they are. Um, as we kind of, as we kind of wrap up things here on the program, doctor, um, here's the million dollar question. Uh, as a parent, we find out that our kid is the one that's doing the bullying. Um, yeah. you know, what do we do to help correct that behavior? Yeah, I mean, again, communication is going to be a pretty big key there, as is just paying attention and being able to bring to that conversation pretty concrete examples. As a parent, you want to consider, where did my kid learn this behavior? Is this something that, you know, if you're, if you're a parent who yells and screams at home, that might be fine for some kids, but that might be really hard for other kids. Um, or maybe there's something going on at school that you don't know about, and the, then they're bringing to um, practice and then there became coming the bullying. So you really want to get as a parent a well-rounded picture of where it is that your kid might have learned that and what history may have contributed to them feeling like that was an acceptable and appropriate path to get their needs met. And then through that conversation, if you can pinpoint what those needs that that bullying behavior is fulfilling for them, that can then help lead you to what are alternative solutions. So if my kid is bullying because they don't feel like anybody pays attention to them any other way. They don't feel like maybe they're smart enough or they're funny enough or they're this or they're that, you know, helping them to figure out, okay, I, I appreciate that you're feeling like, you know, people won't like you unless you're strong and you're this and you're that. 
but here's some other options of how it is that you can show how strong or smart or funny you are that doesn't mean including somebody else in a harmful way and then helping them to then seek out opportunities to get those needs met, to be able to start feeling like they're smarter or funnier or stronger or whatever it is that they're kind of looking for. Um, you know, maybe at, at home, they just feel like they don't have as much control or at school, they don't feel like they have as much control. Okay, well, what are appropriate um, and helpful ways that you can get some control back? Maybe that's, you get the choice about what kind of milk you want to drink tonight or, um, you know, if you want to make your bed first or you want to get ready for the day first or however it is that you want to do it, but being able to kind of structurally implant ways that your child who has been bullying can get those needs met in a better way. And then if through your conversations, you find out that they have been a target of bullying, then the same rules apply as we were just talking about in terms of validating that experience, educating them about what it is that was happening, and then preparing them, reporting and following through um, to manage their own experience as a target of bullying. Great advice. Great, great, great advice. Dr. Ashley Coker-Cranny, psychotherapist with Whole Brain Solutions. We certainly appreciate you coming back on the podcast uh, and talking about bullying with us as uh, October is National Bullying Prevention Month. We certainly appreciate it. My pleasure as always. And thank you for listening to the podcast. We do appreciate you listening. Remember, make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program here on the WVSA Digital Network. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every Thursday morning here on the WVSA Digital Network or find us on our social media platforms at WV Soccer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.